I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Down Podcast, the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And you are probably a little confused right now. Uh, probably very confused. Probably a lot confused. Super You're probably confused. sad, angry, confused. Yeah. Shout, shout to the popular podcast of the same name. You don't know what's happening right now. You're like, that's not my Geek Down. No. And you probably even checked to make sure you pressed the right thing. Yeah. It is the Geek Down. Geek Down, year two, officially underway. Woo, yay, yeah! As such, we're, we're growing up a little bit. Growing up a little bit, having to make some hard choices. Going through some changes. Some changes we don't really know how to some talk about. Some life changes. Some life changes we got to work through with y'all together. Yeah. So here's the thing. Kate and I have been at this for a year. A whole year and a bit? Now. Year and a bit. Over a year. It's been going pretty well. We're yeah. cool with it. We like how yeah. it's been going. Could be better. It could be better. There are things that we might like to see the show become. And maybe things we can improve. So we've been uh, setting some goals. Yes. Some things we would like to see happen. Some of those things might be more easily accomplished with a little help. Help from our lovely listeners. We are not above asking for help when we need it. No. Despite being stoic waspy english types (laughs) super waspy we are not above asking for help so to that end we have started a patreon yeah i'm excited about it i'm excited about it too because if this goes well we can do some things that will make the show better what type of things you're wondering about you can get all kinds of information about that at patreon.com slash geekdownpod kate and i have been working exceptionally hard on this yes Leading up to this, you can find a wonderful welcome video that we spent way too much time <laughs> trying to work on today because we're both really perfectionists who hate how we look on camera. And way too much time fixing my bangs. So much. <laughs> Your first Patreon bonus will just be a, a nine-minute clip of silent Kate fussing with her bangs. And it was opposite sides, so it was extra hard. <laughs> extra hard. So for those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for people to support creators. Like who, us. who make things that they enjoy. It is not like a Kickstarter where you just kind of throw some money at it. You give it some money to see something get made. Patreon is more of a way to sustain something that's being made. Yes. So it's more of a... We have opted to go with the monthly contribution option. Which means you as a listener, if you like what we do and you want to support us, you can give us a dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month. And your patronage gets you certain rewards based on how much money you would decide you have decided to contribute. Um, as Jordan mentioned, there is tons of information about this on the patreon.com slash geekdownpod sort of website. But I just wanted to mention, you may think that $1 a month is not a big deal. But $1 a month for us is a huge deal. If there are 50 of y'all out there who decide you want to kick in a dollar a month, that's $50 a month. Yeah. Um, and We that's... could do so much for $50 a month. What are some of the things we'd want to do? Again, it's on the Patreon page. 
We would like to get Caitlin a chair. It would be really nice, actually. <laughs> nice, full, really, nice folding chair. I'd really like a chair. <laughs> so Caitlin doesn't have to sit on this footstool and throw her back out anymore. Uh, we can cover SoundCloud hosting for the next year. So we don't have to lose any of the things we've already created or updated. Yeah. We can get a mixer so we can accommodate more microphones so we can start having guests and interviews and things like that. Get some more people around the table to talk about nerdy stuff. We have ideas. And plans. And and dreams. But what's most important, perhaps, the show will remain free. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you decide you don't wish to contribute, no hard feelings, nothing will change for you. You will still get the show as it's always been. If you do decide to support us, you just get more of the show. Yes. So this leads us back to maybe why you're confused about the intro of the show. Jordan will admit, likes to be a bit of a copyright cowboy. He's very much on the Cory Cory Doctorow side of things where, you know, information should be free. And uh, Caitlin uh, stands on her front porch and yells at Jordan to get off of it. Caitlin, a little more by the book. The theme song... Was never ours. No, it wasn't. Was never something, despite my hearing multiple podcasts just throw music out willy-nilly, no matter what. Fair use would only have applied for our theme song if, from episode one, after every time we used it, we said, man, that's a great song. I love that song. Yeah. Because then we're criticizing it, and that counts as fair use. That's terrible. Part of me wishes I had known that earlier. (laughs) Be that as it may, we didn't own it. We maybe could have continued flying under the radar with it if we didn't try to like work to improve the show. But the second we make a dollar off of it, it's a whole different ball of wax. And maybe if we get a um, d- crazy amount of patronage dollars, we can investigate actually legally getting it back. Yes. Maybe. But for now, after much searching, because Yamans is a perfectionist, <laughs> uh, we are now using the fully legal... And Creative Commons licensed music of uh, Swedish artist Rob Gasser. And I would just like to say that you might be giving the song a hard time right now because things are different. Change is hard. And change is difficult, but it's going to grow on you. It grew on me. It grew on me. I was super angry when I started and now I kind of dig it. Uh, so, yeah. I think, but, I think it suits us enough. Just give it a chance. Just, just give, give it a chance. chance. And you know what? You can, if it makes you feel better, you can come on down to the the Facebook page or... We have so many socials you can yell at us on. Or the Patreon page. And you can can talk with us and maybe some other fans about the song. And, you know, just get it out. Maybe you got a song. Maybe. That you want to give us. That you've come across. As long as it's Creative Commons. Or maybe you have a band. Or you make music. Maybe. And you want to be like, here, here's a song that I think would work. Um, we like the song, but we will, you know, we'll, we'll have an open discussion. We're open. About it. We're not, we're not married to it. It's developing. Hey, we're developing this together, friends. Leveling up. Yeah. Geek Down 2.0 is here. Well, is that all the business we have? Do we have any more, business. any business business? Patreon.com slash Geek Down Pod. If you want to, uh, complain or yell at us or be like, I have no money, but I love you anyway. You can do that on any of our socials, Twitter at Geek Down Pod. Tumblr, you probably dead in the water at this point, but we'll squat on it just to keep the address. 
just in case. Uh, and primarily our Facebook page, which is at www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Do we just start that bit for the Patreon page too? Because we're probably going to plug the shit out of it. But I don't think so. Because right. it's specific to the Facebook. Specific to Facebook. Yeah. Very well. All right. Enough of that boring Business money talk. Stuff. Oh, oh don't come here for that. Uh, how was your week, Kate? Uh, it was good. I worked a lot. <laughs> I may have a problem. What else is new? <laughs> Well, I just, I took on even more work. Oh, well, that's your problem. I'm a crazy person. Yes, you are. Um, So I didn't do many fun things and I'm still getting over being sick. So it was just work, 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 work. Just like that Rihanna song. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my life was the same. I guess I was the Drake portion of that Rihanna song. <laughs> um, But leading up into my glorious three-day weekend that I'm sitting here in the middle of now. Yeah. But was ultimately let down by, because this is my life, and why would I ever get excited about anything? Um, As has come up on the show before, I had been a longtime participant, attendee of an event in Toronto called Hip Hop Karaoke. Yes. Which, you hear karaoke, you're like, what? You just, like, got up on stage with, like, a monitor and some, like, MIDI soundtrack? Nah, son. This was an event where solely rap music, solely hip hop music, because historically, for DJs, who wanted to blend and whatnot, hip-hop 12 inches would always come with the instrumentals. So you yes. actually had the song without the lyrics on it. So what you would do is you'd be rapping these songs on a stage in front of a crowd with the actual like instrumental behind you. And I've done this off and on for many years, and they just had their 10th anniversary this weekend, which is also, pour a little out, the final monthly edition. Which is very sad. They say they will be back, but as far as like the month in, month out grind of of doing it, used to be a five person crew. Now it's a three person crew. You know the two hosts, local Toronto rappers, Abdominal and More or Less. They have their own careers. Abs is touring a lot more now. He does yeah. a lot of UK tours. Less is you know married with a house and then maybe trying to start a family. Like you know, and he's got a full time job. So it just kind of became too much. And you know, ten ten years is a hell of a run. And I will always say that Hip Hop Karaoke was the first, like, home I had because, you know, I loved rap my whole life. Mm-hmm. But in Windsor, even though people might have liked it and even though, you know, you're, you're across from Detroit, you're getting all this, like, Detroit media thrown at you all the time. Right. People wonder why I kind of have the, like, soulful attitude I do. That's why. That's what I was inundated with growing up. A love of rap and, to a lesser extent, R&B was really private right? because it was just a thing that like, you know, you watch videos on much music, which at that time had a really good representation of that genre, but I couldn't, you know, I heard tribe in a club once right? and lost my shit. It's like, what? They're actually playing a war tour right now. Like Mm -hmm. what is even happening? And I think it may still be the case down there to a certain extent. I don't know where you can go out and hear like, you know, classic rap music. Right. And I remember the first time I went to HHK, it was at the Gladstone here in Toronto, and they weren't even, like, deep-cut rap songs. It was, like, you know, Around the Way Girl by LL Cool J. Right. I'd never been out in public and heard this song, and I look around, and I'm surrounded by people who, like, speak the same language as me and, like, know this music. And it's such, like, a lame thing to be like, oh, you found some people who listen to the same music as you, but... But for you, it was really important. It's been a defining thing in my life. I love music. I geek down about music. So it's like, oh, it's... (laughs) Let's really date ourselves. Y'all remember that video with the bee girl? <laughs> like, wandered around until she found a fee- field full of other bee yeah, people? Yeah, that's Blind Melon. Yes. 
wasn't going to admit I knew who it was. But yes, it's No Rain by Blind Melon. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Everybody in Windsor knows No Rain by Blind Melon because that's the type of town Windsor was. Right. <laughs> Just love, love that rock music. Yeah, walking into the Gladstone for the first time was like walking into the field with the other B people. It's like, <laughs> oh, here you've all been. <laughs> you found your B people. I did. <laughs> and so I was really amped for this 10th anniversary because Pete Rock, who was like, I always said Triber, my Beatles, and like De La Soul is like my Pink Floyd. Pete Rock would be like, I don't know, my Hendrix. Like he's just, Okay, wow. Pete Rock, one of the best producers of all time. He made maybe my favorite beat ever, They Reminisce Over You, which is just like god-level rap song of all time um and he was going to be djing as such i don't think pete rock was inexpensive to book right so they were going to get their money's worth out of him so he went on around twelve thirty, right which meant they really only had time to accommodate 20 to 25 performers right i was signed up 74th oh geez what so i did not have a chance in hell of getting on stage that night. No. Which kind of bummed me out because, y'all, I worked really hard. Oh, I wanted sorry. to do Daytona 500 by Ghostface Killa. That's a hard-ass song. That is a really hard song. And I knew it all. <laughs> in and out. I was going to sing the opening. Everything. I had plans, y'all. I had plans. Don't ever make plans. They never pan out. Um, wow. <laughs> After we just talked about our future <laughs> plans for the podcast. Way to go, Jordan. Plan, plan your podcast. Don't plan like for things to go well in your life. Um, um, but I was going to say, yes. I to give people an example of how hard he was working, last time I came to do the podcast last week, uh, he was practicing and getting this one part right and... Oh right, the one ha- li- the ha- one line I couldn't half I couldn't asleep catch. from just just uh, like talking out these lyrics. It was it was impressive. So, whenever y'all decide to do a one off, you best believe I'm going to be-, be there and I'm going to demolish that fucking stage. Sorry to whoever has to come on after. <laughs> but anyway, shouts to Les, shouts to Abs, shouts to Ted Danson, Dahlia, Numeric, all the people who who put HHK together. It was just a uh, it was a. It was a miracle in my life for a very long time, and and I will always remember it. That was very, that was very sweet. I am nothing if not sweet. You're a bee person. (laughs) (laughs) Honey dripping. Um, Honey dripping all over your ears, friends. That's really awkward. So So weird. Uh, um, You want to get some news? Yeah, I do. What you got? I've only got one really big piece of news. Because we are double recording today, friends. Yeah. So we're trying to keep it light and tight. Light and tight. Um, we haven't... We've been somewhat successful. We but have we are, been light. So we've been... Tight. Uh, yeah. It's been so... So we're really watching the clock here. Um, so my one piece of news is literary news, which I don't usually get to share very often. Oh, literary news. Um, yes. Um, so for, for those of you who don't know, um, Philip Pullman who um, wrote his Dark Materials trilogy, oh, which yes, started... Philip Pullman, yes. <laughs> which started with The Golden Compass. Yeah. Um, and wrapped up in basically the third The third book came out in, the, in 2000. It is well known across people who love fantasy and science fiction. And he has announced relatively recently that he is going to do a sequel trilogy of his Dark Materials called uh, The Book of Dust. And he has mentioned that it's going to be an equal trilogy. Um, so it's sort of going to be taking place kind of at the same time. <clears throat> and there are tons of details online 
Um, and this is really, really exciting because it's, it really is a, a trilogy of fantastic books. He's a fantastic writer and the world he created was amazing. So I'm super psyched. Apparently, from what I've gathered, the first book comes out October 19th. So happy birthday to me. 2017 is not going to be that bad. You get a birthday present. It's Philip Pullman. You don't even like Philip Pullman. No, I never read the first one. Oh, okay. Um, you still going to shit on religion this entire time? Yes. Okay. He has talked about how <laughs> that is exactly what he's going to do. Now, this leads to even more exciting news. What? Like crazy exciting crazy. news. Crazy. Neil Gaiman uh-huh. is writing a sequel to Neverwhere. Is he? Yes. I had not even heard this. I am so freaking psyched. Neverwhere You Will Recall came up on the show once previously. Caitlin yep. had given me, well, we're both Neil Gaiman fans, but Neverwhere specifically. Is, is it your favorite Neil Gaiman book? Or? Uh, it's my favorite Neil, Neil Gaiman novel. novel. Yes. Uh, Caitlin had given me a radio play uh, of Neverwhere starring James McAvoy and a bunch of other people. You can yeah. go back and find that episode. And uh, and this is going to be a sequel to the book, and it's going to be called The Seven Sisters, which, like many of the people in um, Neverwhere, is actually a place in London. Um, so, yeah, apparently he's three chapters in to writing it, and uh, that'll come out soon as well. So, just really exciting, happy, all-around, wonderful news. All right. I'm going to take a brief note on uh, on some less happy news, so then I can end on some happier news. All right, let's hear it. Uh, so this is brief. I literally just found this out like an hour before Kate got in, but um, I'm at the point now where like if Questlove puts somebody's photo up on on his Instagram feed, I immediately think the worst. No, oh, no. This is bad because Questlove also has a radio show uh, <laughs> called Questlove, Questlove Supreme, where he like interviews people. It's on Pandora. I'm really mad. I can't listen to it. That's that's unfair. But he will often like like Q-tip was on. Oh. And so he like put a photo of Q-tip up on his Instagram. I was like, what the fuck happened to Q-tip? <laughs> Q-tip from a tribe called Quest. So earlier in the week, he posted, I see a photo of a former Ohio Players band leader, Junie Morrison. Right. Um, contemporary listeners. Uh, he wrote a song called Susie Thunder Tussie. <laughs> Lovely. Which was sampled by Mad Lib for a song that ended up going on The Life of Pablo by Kanye. Uh, no Parties in L.A. was a Junie Morrison song. Junie Morrison worked with Parliament, Funkadelic, and the Ohio Players, and just Funky Worm. Which is an Ohio player song. I know that song. Funky Worm, which has this like, you know, high pitched synth noise. You've yeah. you've heard it if you've heard a West Coast rap song yep. in the last like thirty years. It sampled Funky Worm. Uh Junie Morrison passed away. That was kinda sad. Equally sad on the hip hop front. I see Questlove post a photo of former James Brown drummer Clyde Stubblefield. Yes. Who apparently passed away as well. Clyde Stubblefield is the funky drummer. Which it's funny because of the 30, 33 and a third books I've read, I read the one specifically about James Brown. Yes. And it talks about the funky drummer. And I was like really – that was one of the most interesting parts of any of the books I had read. So the funky drummer was – you know, sometimes James had these songs that were just like kind of like jamming. Mm-hmm. He didn't really like sing or anything. He just like yelled at the band. Get the drum song. That was what James that, would do. That was really good impression. Uh, it's just me doing Eddie Murphy doing James Brown. <laughs> and, you know, James tells the band to, like, lean back. You know, I'm like, get this fucking hole up here. Like, and <laughs> there's, like, an eight-bar loop mm-hmm. of Clyde Stubblefield. It's just a, just a drum loop. Yeah. And this thing, you will know it if you hear it. It's, like, one of, like, three beats, like, with along with, like, Apache and... 
I don't know, good times by Chic as far as like being like these are the building blocks of hip hop. It's like, right. you know, impeach the president, Apache and Funky Drummer are like eighty percent of hip hop made up to like nineteen ninety was built on these. So it's a it's a sad loss. Rest in peace to to both of them. Um Yeah. Well, that was sad. That was sad. What? I just feel like every week it's just for commemorating people or <laughs> like it's funny i'm actually seeing because i mentioned i actually commented on Questlove's feed it's like man it's getting to the point where I, if i see Questlove post somebody yeah i start going oh god what why <laughs> my heart i already see like three comments from other people going like yeah i do the same thing yeah um but so that we don't leave people so sad uh what, what's your good news my good news is uh, i was recently announced that crunchyroll which has come up on the show sometimes. It's basically the Netflix of anime. Similar to Netflix, doesn't really like announce their financials, their numbers, anything like that. But they did announce this week, last week, I don't recall recently, that they have topped 1 million paid subscribers. Wow. So 1 million paid subscribers, and they have 20 million registered users. Oh, wow. So that's free users as well. People, they do still have a free ad-supported yes. option with some limitations or whatnot. Which I know about because I downloaded it. Because you use it. You use it frequently and you sit through that Humane Society ad so much. So much. I actually didn't hate it at the time because the Humane Society ad was like a dog comes up and pushes its nose against the screen. And I'm like, why Why do I care if an ad happens? A cute dog comes. And like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm just watching One Piece and then like, oh, hey, what's up, dog? Hang with you for a while. Oh, you want to come back two more times before I can, before my show continues? Cool, dog. So what does this mean? And is this a big deal? Short answer, yes. Um, Anime News Network basically kind of broke down an analysis of the significance of this and pointed out that, to kind of put it into context, in what was considered like the 90s bubble, like the first 90s bubble for anime when like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball was first starting to pop off, like when I was really into it. Uh, a show called Ninja Scroll, not a show, it was a movie. Yes. Called Ninja Scroll. I know maybe, that. Maybe you remember Ninja Scroll. I know Scroll that movie, yeah. Because it was like the best-selling thing up to that point. Yeah. Sold less than a quarter million copies. I feel like it was really bad. Oh, there was some licking part. Yeah. Yeah, that was gross. She had a poison pussy. Yeah, that's awful. That's a movie by the same dude who did the uh, Toothy Spider Pussy that we talked about once on the Secret Origins <laughs> episode, Wicked City. Great. Same director feel like he has a thing really got some problems with vaginas yeah be that as it may sorry kawajiri you may not have caught when i said comparatively the most popular thing up to this point the best-selling thing mm-hmm. two hundred fifty thousand copies oh that was the biggest thing wow. as far as selling physical media crunchyroll one million paid subscribers is this a good thing is this a big deal Anime News Network kind of extrapolates it out and says, well, at, at minimum, because Crunchyroll's got a couple tiers of subscriptions, but their basic is like six ninety five. Right. At a million subscribers, that's $6.95 million a month. Yeah. That's $83 million a year. That's a, a lot of that goes back to licensing fees. Yeah, of course. To buying rights, to kickbacks to the industry. So, I mean, like, it's it's nice to see a tangible thing you can look at and be like yes i am supporting the industry sometimes mm-hmm. you wonder like it's like oh they're just they want me to pay for this thing blah blah blah. you when you actually do get a sense of like how much money Crunchyroll is kicking back we don't you know minus operating costs minus everything else who knows but that is not an insubstantial amount 
that is getting kicked back to the anime industry. So it is cool that that's something that can be pointed to as like, you can feel good about that. You know, like you want to support the industry. Maybe you don't have a ton of money. You can't go out and buy all the Blu-rays, all the manga, all the Nendoroids, like all the licensed action figures and shit. Or pillows. Or body pillows. But if you got six ninety five, you can throw that to Crunchyroll and you know, feel that you're doing your part to support the industry. So, which an industry that many people really, really, really love, really love and is not always having the best time. No, we hear a lot of doom and gloom stories about the anime industry in Japan and how, how hard it is on the creators and like how hard it is to like make, keep a series going. Like we, people, a lot of people complain about why didn't, why doesn't this get a second series? Why doesn't that get a second series? Like often it just comes down to money. So Anything that helps the industry is good. So shouts to all y'all paid subscribers out there on Crunchyroll. Caitlin and I are poor, so we are perpetually a week behind yes. <laughs> and watching it with Though, ads. But I get, I like to say that they get ad revenue from all the ads I watch. <laughs> all the ads we're watching. Hey, hey, that can be another thing. That yes. <laughs> we, can, we can share. We can share a Crunchyroll subscription with them <laughs> Patreon dollars. We have so many plans, y'all. So many plans. Light and tight. Yes. Keeping it moving. Look at that. We did it. We did it. Looking at that clock. We were really worried we wouldn't be able to 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 keep it together. Well, we did a bunch of stuff before we actually started recording the show, so I think we got our stupidity out <laughs> earlier. No, we didn't. No. No, we no, didn't. not that lucky, We guys. have an infinite supply of stupidity, and you're going to get more of that when we come back after this short break, where Caitlin and I will talk about the things we brought each other. Welcome back to the show. This is the section of the show where Jordan and I talk about the things we gave each other. But yeah. before we get started, mm-hmm. there are some rules. The first rule is the rule of three. The rule of three. Give the thing a chance to be the thing it's going to be. If it runs on any sort of installment system. Or cycles. Issues. Episodes. Any of that business. Have to consume minimum three. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Save it for the pod. Do not talk about the thing that we have been asked to have a look at until we are sitting in front of these microphones. So you guys get the hottest of takes? Is that how you that was put really it? good. Was that was the good? Freshest of takes. Hottest of, of takes. takes. They're, listen, they're fresh. They're hot. Don't burn yourself. <laughs> be, be careful. Maybe we're on ear headphones, not in ear. Don't want you to injure yourself. Yeah. So the takes are piping hot. Yeah. So, and and we don't talk really about, even if we hated the thing, we don't even talk about it at all. We'll talk about lots of other things. Patreon. We'll talk about uh, people who died recently. We'll talk about... Caitlin's bangs. Yeah. All kinds of things. All kinds of diverse subjects, but we will not talk about the things we brought at each other. And finally, the third rule, which isn't really a rule. It's more of a policy. There will be spoilers. We are pro-spoiler. We are pro-spoiler. We know some people who are anti-spoiler. If you are anti-spoiler, we understand. We also understand you may have to take your leave. And we feel bad about this, but you need to go. <laughs> no, Not bad enough to stop talking about spoilery things when we get into the things we are talking about. And this week, particularly, we have a newish movie that we're talking about and we have a brand new tv show yes so there are going to be spoilers if you haven't seen these things. might be some details about these things that 
you would prefer you didn't know if you have any intention of watching either Kubo and the Two Strings or Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So we are going to start with the thing I brought Jordan that he could watch. Yes. Which was Kubo and the Two Strings. Surprise! It's not the other anime thing. <laughs> Caitlin didn't bring me an anime. That's so weird. Um, some background. Kubo and the Two Strings came out in 2016, so just last year. It is a 3D stop motion fantasy action adventure film. Um, it is directed by Travis Knight, who works for the company uh, or the studio Laika, who have also made things such as Coraline, Paranorman, and The Box Trolls. So things that people probably have seen or heard and we've talked about before. And uh, one other thing that they did, they did Moon Girl and they also worked um, by contract on Corpse Bride. So they have a mm. lot of experience doing stop motion. The way this movie looks is a little bit different, um, but it is basically using the, the same principles of stop motion. Um, it has a star-studded cast. Um, it's got Charlize Theron... Uh, Ralph, uh, Rafe Fiennes, Rooney Mara, George Takei, Matthew McConaughey doing his best George Clooney, um, and Art Parkinson as Kubo. The synopsis, I'm going to go, as I usually do, to Wikipedia for the <laughs> synopsis because I'm not very good at doing synopses. I either run on too long or I don't say important bits. Though, when I was looking it up, this does not have the best synopsis, so we'll probably <laughs> have to fill in some blanks. All right. But basically... The film revolves around Kubo, a young boy, who has magical powers and whose left eye was stolen. Accompanied by Monkey and Beetle, he must subdue the sisters, Raiden the Moon King, and his army of evil spirits. Yeah, there's some crucial details left out of that synopsis. <laughs> Very crucial details. And then the, uh, when you go down the page, when it gives you the plot, it gives you like the full plot. Yeah. So uh, what are some of the crucial details do you think that people need to know about this movie? Uh, his eye was taken by his grandfather. Raiden. The Moon King. Yep. For undisclosed reasons at the start, uh, he lives outside of a small village with his mother. Yeah. Who is, who is, who is sick. Or off or something. Something. She kind of floats in and out, almost senile-like. Uh, and because he's been told by his mother that the the Moon King is after his other eye, he is basically to never be outside after dark. Yes. It's very, very important. Um, and Kubo can also, his magical powers, at least in the initial bit, he kind of goes into the village and to try and panhandle for money, kind of tells stories by... Strumming a, I believe it's a shamisen, those are called. Those little, like, guitar, yes. guitar-like it, things. It looks like a banjo with a really long, uh, what's that part called? Neck? Neck. That's the one. Uh, I don't know if it originates in Japan or not, or if it was just kind of like a trans-Pacific Asian sort of instrument. Right. Um, but that's what he plays, and he can kind of, by playing it and telling these stories, he manipulates uh, origami. Yes. Pieces of paper come out of his backpack and he tells stories and the paper folds into different characters as he tells the stories. But he never gets to finish because it always gets dark and he's got to be like, whoops, peace out. Yep. Um, and Until the time he does not because there's a festival. There's a festival going on and it is a festival to basically mark the passing of loved ones and to communicate with those spirits. And, uh, he gets kind of swept up in the, it's called the, 
Bon Festival or Bon Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Oban, I think, is another word for it. Um, and uh, he goes and he wants to communicate, I believe, with his father. Yes. And uh, he Hanzo. Gets, Hanzo. And he, he gets caught up in the festival. And then all of a sudden, it's nighttime. And because it's nighttime, he is spotted by the Moon King. We never see, initially, you see his hench women. These uh, these other two, these two sisters, there was a third, the third is Kubo's mother. Yes. Uh, who we come to find out had left her family, turned her back on her family when she met Hanzo and they had Kubo together. And you actually see her flight from her family in the opening uh, moments of the movie after, shortly after Kubo's uh, eye was taken. Yes. And things happen, Kubo has to flee and find these, like, you know, it's a quest, right? He's got to find these three items, a sword, a helmet. And armor. And armor, so he can be the one to then defeat the Moon King. It's a hero's journey type of thing. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it for synopsis. And it's also about family. Yes. And uh, And memories and stories and yeah, things things of that sort. So what did you think about it? Uh, it was really good. Oh, and thanks for doing that synopsis. It was a good job. <laughs> it was really good. Obviously, you know, it, it's my aesthetic. <laughs> yes. It's, they're playing on the playground. They're playing on the monkey bars I like. Yeah. It's very, it's very Japanese-y. Uh, it looks great. The designs are great. I don't know why those sisters are not being cosplayed at every, <laughs> every convention ever. Well, of the um, movies that they had put out, I think this was unfortunately the one that's made uh, the least amount. So far, it could be that a lot more will be made later on. Um, it's got like a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, I think I saw. Yeah, like, it's a pretty pretty high rating. Um, I just, I don't know if it was a issue with marketing or whatnot, but I don't know why this movie didn't I didn't win. know it was coming out until like it started getting talked about on other podcasts. Right. Like, this week we're going to talk about Kubo and the Two Strings. I'm like, well, what the hell is Kubo and the Two Strings? Um, yeah, it has a beautiful aesthetic to it. Um, it's, uh, you know, the story is fantastic. The voicing is fantastic. Well, I'm going to say something about that. Okay. This is just a it's just a question that doesn't need an answer, but I find that... So I went and looked up the cast. Yeah. We all make a huge deal about whitewashing. Yeah. Something about... A white Irish kid voicing Kubo. Kubo mm-hmm. kind of rubs me wrong. Should that rub me wrong? I don't know. I <laughs> it also rubbed me wrong. I don't have any answers. Okay, for this question, um, uh, it's not like he's doing you know an, a fake Japanese accent for it. He's just doing no. his voice, and visually, Kubo is represented. the The Asian characters are represented to look Asian. Yes, there is no question there. But just something about, like, if the characters were going to look Asian anyway, you couldn't find an Asian voice actor to do it? You couldn't get that job? I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I've thought about it. I think someone much smarter than myself needs to <laughs> talk about it. And I mean, like, listen, I'm the dude who, like, you know, borderline gives a pass on the Scarlett Johansson thing. So, right. obviously, I'm not... I don't lay down a hard, fast rule about these things. But for some reason, yeah, even though I couldn't quite... Go to war for the ancient one, Major Kusanagi thing. For some reason, when I saw a picture of you know this kid's beaming, golden-haired face <laughs> on the IMDb page, I was like, that seems odd. Because if the risk is always like you know, or the Hollywood thinking, right or wrong, is always 
well, there's less of a draw there. That's why we got to put Matthew Damon in the Great Wall. And Matthew Damon? I was about to say. It's very formal. That's why you put Matt Damon in like the Great Wall sort of thing. But that's not an issue with an animated movie, right? Except that very much like the jungle book you're still this has become more and more of a trend and this is really robin williams's fault um <laughs> having a, st- a a top tier name superstar yeah. will draw people to the movie and listen mcconaughey was jarring to me well see what i didn't buy mcconaughey but mcconaughey he sounded exactly like george clooney he did exactly so and, much and so- he made me that character made me laugh yeah. <laughs> so so the sword they have to get is the sword unbreakable. Yeah. And there was a moment where I don't know if he landed on it or he just ended up sleeping on it. And he curls over and he's like, oh, I'm like a sword uncomfortable. Uh. <laughs> it's like stupid dad pun, but I loved it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, about the, the casting. Um, I don't know. I think it, it was a – it was probably a decision to try and bolster the sort of marketing for the movie. Probably. Um. But I don't know. It's not. And like I went deep in the cast list. A lot of the villagers are Asian actors. Like you said, George Takei's in there. Like mm-hmm. it's just just a thought I had. And I don't know if like you know this when people go to war for the whitewashing thing, does that extend to voices as well or like? I think it should. Um, but look at you be all social look justice at me. warrior. Like anyway, and let's not fall too far into the weeds about that. Like you said, that's. I feel the need to bring it up. It's not really something I can address. That's you're you're trying to open a discussion. Opening a dialogue. Hey, if any of y'all know, if any of y'all out there and you have feelings about that, specifically if you are of, you know, Asian ethnicity. Let us know. Let us know. But anyway, uh, as far as like the characters and whatnot, so what ends up happening, the village is attacked. Kubo starts on his journey, uh, aided and abetted by uh, Monkey. Yep. A talking Monkey, who is basically the last of Kubo's mother's magic, goes into... This charm, this carved wooden monkey charm that he mm-hmm. had, which has now come to life. And with a samurai beetle looking thing, which yep. is what McConaughey ends up voicing, uh, he ends up going on their quest as well. And surprise, they end up being his parents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I, you see that coming. It's, yeah, it's, um, not, it's not a surprise. Uh, but it was still, still cool. I thought it was still interestingly done. To a certain extent, it kind of... Gave me the same vibe as Avatar, but I like this way better. I just I can't than Avatar. Even, just why would you even bring that? Why, why, did, why would I invoke There's it? There's a wound. Why would I invoke opening. it? Um, but yeah, I did like it way more than Avatar. Like when he gets out and he starts telling his story, you see the paper folding and all that yeah. type of thing. I was like, well, you are setting a very high standard here. Like this looks, <laughs> this looks gorgeous. Even the scene at the beginning when she's like fleeing with the baby and yeah. like. Strums the thing and like cuts a giant hole in a tidal wave. <laughs> like you are setting a high standard here. This mm-hmm. is hope you can keep this up. And more or less, they do quality wise. Uh, leaf boat was su- surprisingly durable. Yes, leaf boats <laughs> tend to be. I know that from Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> they have to cross a river. Kubo extends his uh, origami magic to manipulating, you know, dried dead leaves that are kind of hanging around. He makes a very very large, extravagant boat as they go out under the water to find something. <laughs> Caitlin. That. I'm so sorry. It's like if a fucking whale comes through this thing. Although they did sleep in a whale at one point. Yep. It's like, oh, fucking whales. Yeah, and then it starts raining, and I'm like, well, that thing's going to melt any second. Nope. No. Leaves are resistant to water. I love you, leaf boat. <laughs> um, 
I thought the ending played a little fast and loose. Yeah. Kind of tacked on, like, it's the, it's the power of love. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He finally ends up, you know, meeting the Moon King. Uh, God, both of his parents die. Yep. <laughs> in, the, in the end. But then he got How'd a grandpa. How did the beetle die? Doesn't he get crushed or something? Does he? I don't remember. Or he takes some poison or takes an arrow or one of those things. Clearly I was not paying attention to that point. Sorry, <laughs> McConaughey. Um, George Clooney. Yes, he ends up returning to the village alone and being the Moon King and who turns into like a giant space lit snake <laughs> sort of thing. And they fight for a bit and then, yes, yeah, just kind of ends up being like... The Moon King is offering him immortality, basically. Yeah, sure, give me your other eye and come hang out in the in the sky with me and it'll be awesome. And yeah. He's like, no, stories have to end. That's what gives them meaning, blah, blah, blah. It's not a not a new take on on these types of fables, but, you know, it was cool. My least favorite part of it. But yes, it was when Kubo with the other villagers yes. kind of all like hold hands and sing Kumbaya and the spirits of the dead show up as well. I don't even remember how that ends up defeating him. It's just like, light in your face. Ah, boom. <laughs> um, the Moon King kind of turns human, doesn't really have any memories, and they're kind of like, this is your grandson. He's like, oh, you're my grandson? So now, yes, Kubo has a Kubo has a grandfather. He still has some form of family. And uh, yeah, then a Shamison rendition of While My Guitar Gently Weeps starts. <laughs> yes. Wasn't crazy about that. But <laughs> It's like, ooh, that that was a heat check. <laughs> That's what, what we call a heat check when, like, you're killing it. So you try, like, the you just you go too far. You try too yep. much because you think you can do everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's just try this. Let's just throw the Shamison version of George Harrison out there. You, nah. did, you didn't quite. You didn't quite. Nothing there was enough to, you know, diminish my enjoyment of the movie, though. So, yeah, this is a, this is a solid eight. Ooh, that's good. Solid eight. Yeah, I had a good time with it. Fantastic. I will mark that down. Again, like 100 minutes. Always always love that. Yeah. I'm doing a little smiley face with that eight. (laughs) That eight. Yeah. Excellent. You know what I don't think is going to get an eight? What? The thing I brought Caitlin. So, friends, as has been mentioned on the show before, uh, this anime season, not super crazy about it. Not a lot of high points. No. Was a show that I heard a lot of people were kind of into. Checked out the first episode. Wasn't that crazy. Checked out more episodes. Kind of started to like it a little more. Mm -hmm. So given that we are doing a double recording this week, and I just wanted to give Caitlin a bunch of options, I just shoveled a bunch of shit at her. I was like, there's this, and there's this movie, and there's this comic. And and this thing, but only watch portions of it. What was that? What was that? I can't remember. You're like something, you're like, but only watch certain parts of it. I I was like, But anyway. And I threw this thing at her. With the caveat, there's going to be some shit here you ain't going to like. I thought that would have been enough alone for Caitlin to be like, no, forget that. But she picked it anyway. I did. So let's talk about some of the things I'm sure Caitlin doesn't like and some of the things I don't like and some things I do like about Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which is a show that some people have called out as being one of the better shows of this anime season, which kind of implies it's a low bar. But anyway, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, this is, I believe it started as a manga. It was, it's written and drawn by Cool Kyoshinja. Cool Koshinja. Cool Kyoshinja. Pretty sure it's a pseudonym. Um, this has been adapted into a 12-episode anime, which started in January. This is a story about an office worker named Miss Kobayashi, mm-hmm. who gets mad drunk one night, Yep. wanders out into the woods, Yep. 
finds an injured dragon. Yeah. Just a dragon. Just a big-ass dragon. Mm-hmm. Helps the dragon. Maybe, while drunk, said, hey, you should just come and live with me, dragon. You'd be safe at my house. Yeah. Dragon takes her up on that offer. The dragon shows up in human form with a tail. And horns. And horns. And uh, because Ms. Kobayashi is kind of a uh, an otaku for maids. Yeah. She really loves maids. The dragon shows up. The dragon Toru, her name is Toru, shows up in love with Miss Kobayashi. There are distinct queer undertones here. Yes. Uh, shows up and says, hey, I showed up. Yeah. I took you up on your offer. I'm going to be your maid. And we go from, <laughs> we go from there. I'm not going to say this is the capitalist of capital A anime. Mm-hmm. But I believe I said at the time when I was watching this at work, checking it out, I was like, this is definitely one of those things where somebody took like some magnetic poetry. <laughs> the manga artist just kind of took some words and threw them together. It was like, dragons, maids, <laughs> Kobayashi. Miss <laughs> Kobayashi's dragon maids. There we go. Let's just take some shit and put it together. Uh, that's what this show is. Now, the only thing anybody ever wants to talk about this show, because it's a slice of life show. Yeah. 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 Not, not a lot of action. Yeah. There are some exceptionally animated action scenes that happen when, yes. the, when the dragons are uh, kind of fighting and roughhousing. Because at first I thought there was going to be like an antagonist. There really isn't in Mm-mm. the show. Not thus far. There may be later on. We're about episode about halfway through the season right now. But because Toru has you know kind of left the dragon world, some of the other dragons start showing up being like, what up, B? Yeah. Where'd you go? First and foremost of them is Kana. Hashtag protect Kana. <laughs> Always. Kana is everyone's daughter this season. Um, can, uh, are we going to... You want to jump in or... Yeah. Uh, well, you started to say we were, you were going to talk about some things that were not great about the show. Do, do, do you, I'm sure I know what it is. Um, well, the first thing I wrote down was boobs. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, Toru, Toru got some boobs on her. It, okay. No, no, no. It's not that... Did Quetzalcoatl show up yet? Yes. All right. Okay. So it's not that... Uh, Toru has boobs. And Toru, sorry for everyone, is the dragon maid. That is the dragon's name, is Toru. It is that they, A, literally make a jiggling sound. Do they? A jello-y jiggling sound. Yes. Oh, yeah. When If it's ever led with... If that's the first thing you see, yes, there's, there's always a... Boom, 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 boom. Um, and then it's the grossness of the boobs. That's the only... I, f- I feel like it's the only way they know how to do humor. Because there are some parts that would be funny if it wasn't really gross. I didn't think that the the writing was particularly strong. And in the first episode, there's, like, nakedness for no reason. Yeah, let's talk about the stripping scene in the first episode. Because that's everybody. That's the moment everybody was like, why? Why did you make this decision? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, I said why when she shows up as... At, you didn't mention that, like, literally the first scene is her just being a dragon and then, cha- and then like, flying off to Kobayashi's house and, like, appearing as a maid, and that's, like, the intro. It's her just like, hey! And Kobayashi's like, what? Exposition? What? We don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> we so got they, 12 episodes. We gotta go. They started it. So, yes, we will now talk about the stripping scene. So, well, let's talk about Kobayashi as a character. Okay. Because I feel she is somewhat unique. I, I really like her as a as character. As a character. Um, she's a tomboy. She's a tomboy. She is, comes off with definitely queer undertones. She is a... And this has been... You can go on uh, our beloved Amelia's site, Anime Feminist, on a story she wrote. I think she wrote it about 
um, when translators play fast and loose with the subtitles sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the two examples are, or even dubbing, because the first, when Toru says that she, you know, I love you, Kobayashi-san. Yeah. Um, in the sub, she says something to the, and don't quote me on this, it's been a while since I watched it, but in the sub, I'm pretty sure she says something about like, yeah, but I'm a, but I'm a woman. Yeah. Not like, I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But just like, you're aware that that's, you know, people might have a problem with that type mm-hmm. of thing. You know, it's not like, ew, but I'm a woman. Like, ew. She does say, but lesbians, I'm a woman. Lesbians, gross. It's the ooh, lesbians, gross thing is a little more out there in the dub, apparently. I don't know exactly what she says or how it's played, but mm-hmm. but it's like there was a change made between the sub and the dub. It's similar to how, like, when they subbed Yuri on Ice, when Victor was asking Yuri about, you know past romantic relationships mm-hmm. in the in the sub it says girlfriend but the word victor uses in japanese is a much more gender neutral like right not non-committal to one gender or the other sort of word anyway yes yeah, miss kobayashi also very successful very good at her job yeah in a you know in a stem field she's like a programmer type of yeah, thing Yeah, she's a programmer they program in english which i thought was funny um so yeah as a as a character you don't see characters like that very often it's and, a very real world character. Yes. Which makes it even weirder when she, you know, as most salary folks in Japan do, goes out after work for too many drinks mm-hmm. and Toru shows up. By the way, I, I do enjoy the fact that Miss Kobayashi is the only human Toru likes. Yes. <laughs> and she's always talking about slaughtering. I hate, I have it in my great notes. <laughs> okay, we got to okay, get to okay. that. They're out drinking. I don't even know why she does it, but for reasons I don't even know, cheap attempt at humor, it seems so out of character. Miss Kobayashi, while drunk, like, literally, whoop, rips the jumper off of Toru. Yeah. To be like, if you're not going to be a proper maid, you may as well just strip or something like that, and just whips the dress off. And it's just like, why? Why would you? So when I said there are things in this show you're not going to like, that was the moment I was thinking of. Yeah. It's like, there are things that I think are worth praising about this show but that ain't that ain't fucking one of them so that's so i'm gonna go down the 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 list of great things okay and then we're gonna have a talk about this great things Uh toru's uh general disdain for humans for instance calling them inferior etc which is great um her just showing the fuck up at kobayashi's that was i really liked that um, the tail that she always has. First, like, she can definitely hide it, but she doesn't. She nope. just always has a tail. Setting things on fire is great. The magic telephone line is amazing. Is that when she, like, does the circle thing and well, like, she, the, the she, runes show up? She, she changes the telephone so she can communicate with the dragon world. Mm. And then we'll talk to other dragons and they'll be like, you should destroy everything. She's like, nope. And she's like, <laughs> oh. she's like maybe not this time. And just her her uh demeanor um the art was fantastic the fight scenes there there's one in particular in the second episode that i saw uh between uh uh, makoto is that no no no. that's the otaku um between kana sorry kana Kana and um toru which was they're they're playing they're play fighting which it was amazing um so you have all these great things going for it and in the third episode all the dragon friends show up and I yeah, can't they, remember. They, they throw a party. Is yeah, that, they and I, throw a party. I can't remember what the the 
male dragon Fafnir Fafnir um he so he shows up and <laughs> there's this video game and he like can't win and he's like going nuts uh, that was great he's also done up like a character from uh, other famous manga and anime black butler he's in like you know yeah. the he's very goth so i like the self referencing and i like bringing up the bringing up of otakus and of cosplaying and all of that um so there's all these great things in this anime which is why it's so frustrating that you have all these great elements the Azetta syndrome all over again they then they just are like hey you know what you know what we're gonna do we're just gonna we're gonna set it all on fire we're just gonna we're gonna rip it up you having a good time how about a one-note character who's nothing but boobs yeah Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl. Um, she shows up. She's all TNA. That's literally all she is. And there, there's no reason <laughs> to the point that other characters call her on it. Like Kobayashi's, yeah. like you went out like that. Yeah, she's wearing like tight, tight shorts and like her shirt. Like again, also physics. Like just there's so many things about the boobs. Um, it's not boobs inherently. Boobs. I we've talked about this. I like boobs, but not the way boobs are portrayed used uh made to make weird sounds and there's no there's no point and place for them except that it's fan service i do like that even kobayashi is depicted as kind of a scumbag in that moment where it's like showing her eyeline yeah, <laughs> and she well, keeps yes. trying to like sneak sneak glimpses at the boobs which again, not any better when it's a woman doing it but it just it it yeah so there are issues and i think the writing could be a little bit stronger but i do have to say kana needs to come live with me protect kana oh my god protect kana oh my god and i i've been watching the sub so her little japanese oh my god oh my god i can't even (gasps) did she start school yet no oh my god you gotta watch the episode where she started school i said this to kate before we i knew she was gonna be watching it I was getting caught up on it, and there's an episode where I'll just you – know, sorry, I'll spoil this for you. Yeah. I will not diminish it in any way. She wants to go to school. Yes, you told me about this. Yeah. She wants to go to school. So it's like, okay, well, like, enroll her in school then, I guess. Um, because the other dragons, like this Fafnir and Quetzalcoatl, there's another – we'll get to my issues with the show after okay. I tell this. But the other dragons – there's even a, there's another one that we haven't even seen yet. They are inspired by Toru. Yeah. What's this human world all about? So Fafnir ends up living with the uh, with the otaku guy. Yep. They end up rooming together. And Quetzalcoatl um, ends up picking up on a kid who's from a family of magi, maguses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's magi, the plural of that. He's trying to summon a demon, but Quetzalcoatl kind of hears it. Yeah. And, and this is when the show gets dumb and creepy again. Because she's like, oh, Toro's having a good time. He's trying to summon something. I'll show up. So it's a real like weird science vibe where like the kid, the kid like tries to like summon a demon and Jiggly Quetzalcoatl shows up and keeps trying to like bathe with him and shit. Uh. And he's in the bathtub. He's like, what are you doing? Like, I know you're playing for comedy, but that's a grown woman. That's <laughs> trying really... to bathe with a child. That's messed up. Um, But yes, so kind of wants to go to school. And so they enroll her in school and they're like, you know, buying her. It's all the cute things, all the cute stationery. Yeah. <laughs> like a slice of life show. So it's really like segmented. It'll mm-hmm. be like 15 minutes on this and then two minute, a two minute short gag. Yeah. With one of the other dragons or something <laughs> playing dodgeball or whatever, something like yeah. that. So they're buying all this stuff for Kana and they go to get her a backpack and they're bringing it up and they ring it up and Miss Kobayashi kind of ooh, blanches 
at how much it's going to cost. And she's like, ooh, uh, I guess we'll put it on the card then. And as she's doing that, Kana has spotted, like, a little, like, bunny keychain or something. Yeah. It's just so wide-eyed. She really wants it. She thinks it's so cute. And she grabs it. And she's running up to ask if she can have it. But here's Kobayashi kind of doing the, like, ooh. So then she stops, turns around, and Kobayashi kind of caught her in the corner of her eye, turns back and sees Kana putting it back on the shelf. Right. Because she feels bad because Kobayashi's spending this money. And I was literally throwing my wallet at the television. <laughs> like, just fucking buy her whatever she wants. Buy her whatever she wants. Protect Kana. <laughs> and, and, well, and there were some other things. Like, as far as when I brought up the writing, part of it is, why do these dra- Why are they coming from the dragon world? Like, no. what's going on? <laughs> um, there's no explanation. Why do they know nothing? Um, why are they all kind of like bright-eyed and adorable um i do like the juxtaposition between that and they're like giant forms kana's dragon is beautiful it's like this feather yeah you only see it once unfortunately oh it's absolutely stunning um again art fantastic was fantastic there's just so many other questions and maybe that's something they're gonna work on but like really i would have liked some like at one point she has a uh uh toru has a dream and she says she she died in another world and I'm like, what is going on? So I feel like they could have worked more on that than jiggly boobs. Uh, but you said you had some, were, were there other issues? But, or... Yeah. And you're really not going to like this one because oh. I don't know what they were going at. So Kana goes to school. Mm-hmm. Kana makes a friend. Yeah. The friend has a real like moe reaction to Kana, as we all do. Right. There's a moment where they go to Toru. And Kana and Kobayashi go to the uh, friend's house. Kana and the friend go off to play video games. And Kobayashi and ends up being the friend's sister, even though she says it's our maid. It's the friend's sister, who is also a maid otaku. So Kobayashi and the older sister ends up freaking out about maids (laughs) maids together and telling Toru about all the things she does wrong as a maid (laughs) sort of thing. That's not the issue. The issue is... Initially, there's a moment when they start when the two kids start playing video games. Kana kind of falls back, leans back on the kid who looks a little slightly older because Kana's really short and right. kawaii. Um, the younger sister, Kana's friend, is like freaking out. She's like, "Oh my god, you're so cute! And I just want you to think I'm cool, like type of thing." Um, I don't, I don't remember how the conversation plays out, but basically, there's a moment where Kana, maybe because you're playing fast and loose, because she's you know a dragon but she's a young dragon so that could still be like you know 200 years old or something maybe she just wants something like what she sees toru and miss kobayashi having she like turns around and kind of like is in like a press-up position on top of the other kid uh and she says something like then let's dot 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 but never finishes the sentence and i've seen a lot of people rightly so who are fucking furious at that scene Oh, no. Yeah. No. And I really hope it is a glaring fucking error, and I really hope it does not come back anymore in the show. Like no. it You want you want to bum fandom out immediately? I make the joke about it when I see things. It's funny, Miranda Sanchez on IGN, she just tweeted, the moment when your one hope for the season just fucking blows it by sexualizing children. And she put oh, a meme God. of... She put a meme of, you know, the Ewan McGregor meme. <laughs> like, you were the chosen one. I loved you. Um, oh. So, yeah, I really hope that does not come back at all. It was really disappointing. And 
I still like the show. I'm still going to stick with it. That's kind of like, you know, my one guilty sort of whatever watch. But that was just such a fucking bummer. Well, I guess I'm just watching Legion now next week. Whoop. Whoop. Give it a score. Uh, I gave it a, a six. That's what I saw coming. Yeah. Uh, I want to give it like a two. Now. Well, yeah. Like, it's like, it's the Azetta problem. You had something good. Yeah. You had something good. And well, it, and I don't, again, it's that thing where, like, I don't think you can come at us with, like, you don't get it, white Westerners. This is Japanese culture type of thing. Is it, aren't there some, like, well, objectively... Uh, here, Here's the thing, though. Okay, so if it is a Japanese culture thing, then maybe you have to take a look at your culture. Because there are some objectively bad... Th- sexualizing children is not okay. Nope. And I'm pretty sure everyone would agree with us on that i would hope so but if you don't feel free to have at it and argue with us i doubt we're going to engage with you that much on this one but probably not if you have a different take on that scene and you can you can express yourself respectfully by all means get at us on our twitters which is at geekdownpod or the facebook group www.facebook.com what, is, what are you doing light and tight i gotta keep it keep no it moving. didn't you just did you give me the thing go be like at our facebook group and then i do the thing what are you doing man <laughs> or at our facebook group which is at www.facebook.com forward slash geek down pod updates we don't have many i don't nope. think you don't um, have any i so last week I talked about that um, episode of Deep Space Nine that I didn't want to watch. Yes. Um, and I watched it. How'd that go? It really badly because then I watched three other episodes because I was so heartbroken <laughs> and was up so late that I ruined my entire week. Yay! Yay! Television! Uh, I have not spent any time with television this week, really. I haven't seen the second episode of Legion. I did manage to squeeze in time for Riverdale. We got fucking biker gangs there now. We got <laughs> oh yeah, we got, we got biker gangs. We got Veronica's mom doing dirty real estate deals and shit. We got what is going? Miss Grundy as a sexual predator. We got yeah, it's good times. Good times on Riverdale. How? How? Sticky maple. Shout out to all my friends with the sticky maple. Uh, okay. As bad as you think it is, and uh, you may get it at some point. But I read uh, the first Snot Girl trade came out, which is the latest. Ongoing uh, from Image Comics by Brian Lee O'Malley, mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Scott Pilgrim. He wrote it. He's not drawing it. It's basically about a fashion blogger mm-hmm. um, in L.A. who is called Snot Girl because she, you know, she gives nicknames to everybody. This is Cool Girl. This is Cute Girl. This is whatever. And then Cool Girl when she meets her because she's got really bad allergies that flare up all the time. End yeah. up calling her snot. Ends up calling her Snot Girl. Snotty, because her name is Lottie. <laughs> um, I don't know if he's trying to make a comment about how vapid these type of, types of people are, or if he's just not a very good writer. Okay, well, um, that's... <laughs> that's that's the short hot take. And it just didn't seem like there was a lot of there there, and I really feel like I would have preferred a woman wrote it. All right. Um, yeah, and I wish the artist is very good, but it feels sometimes like she should have more time. Okay. It feels, feels rushed in parts. It's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a six. Like, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a... It's, a... it's a six. It's a six. Okay. So that's that's not girl. That's out. It's one of those image trades where the first one is always mad cheap. You can get the trade for like 10 bucks. Cool. Um, so yeah, check that out. And that is going to do it for us on this episode, friends. Thank you so much for weathering these changes along with us. Uh, we, we appreciate 
we appreciate it. We really do. Um, and uh, we hope that you can come to love it like we do. And if you would like to support the Geek Down, you can do that. Find more information about that at patreon.com slash geekdownpod. If you can contribute, if you can support us, it would mean the world to us. And if you can't, we love you anyway. Really? It's a good deal. It's really what it comes down to. You get our love no matter what. So on that note, we are going to get out of here. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And we will see you back here next week. See you then. There's the tag.